Well, hello and welcome to episode four of Loogie. I'm your host, Zach, here with Jack and Andrew again. The Mets since uh, last episode, three and three. Is this, is this up to date? Yep. Wow, three and three. Was that the same as last week? No, it wasn't. 4.6 runs scored per game, 4.3 runs allowed per game. Standings still first place, three and a half games ahead of the Phillies. Anybody see anything interesting this week in any of the games? Yeah, they uh, take too damn long. But that's another. We're going to leave that for what's bothering Jack this week. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I was just curious, on Jack, on your thoughts on the team. Now that we're at the halfway mark, how you think they're performing. Obviously, we've had a lot of replacements and not many games with the full team. I'm just curious your thoughts on the team as a whole. Well, they've been very fortunate in that when you pick up all the spare parts they picked up, like Villar, Pilar, some of these bullpen guys, these middle reliever type, setup type guys, you really are truly rolling the dice. No GM can say, I knew Jonathan Villar would perform at a, at, a, at a reasonable level. I knew Kevin Pillar would perform at a reasonable level if, if asked to do so. And, and some of the bullpen, you could say the same thing. I'm just looking now. Guys like uh, Miguel Castro, guys like Sean Reed Foley. We've, been very, we've just been really fortunate to have these guys step in and perform at a pretty decent level in the absence of all our injuries. So in that regard, let's just say, I mean, let's just say that we're very, it's been a very successful season so far regarding the performance of the guys who stepped in, regarding where we are in the standings, regarding uh, with all the injuries that we've had. So there's no doubt that, you know, A plus for the GM in terms of bringing in the right people who've been asked to do things and, and have performed Billy McKinney, these types of guys, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. So, but again, there's a ton of luck in there because I mean, I, you middle relievers almost from year to year are like alternate good, bad, good, bad, you know? So I think there's a lot of luck in there. So I think we're very lucky. So as we look ahead We've also been very fortunate in that the Braves have, have been just awful mm-hmm. compared to what they should. So we, we're also fortunate that the Phillies and the Braves, who have some – and Nats, who've got talented teams, have been underperforming. So we are definitely in a position where guys like McNeil, Lindor, and Conforto are going to have to – if they continue to bat at this level – these other guys are not going to last 162. They're not going to perform the way they've been performing for a full 162-game season. So I think we're still in a very precarious position until we see that those three guys, um, and then we'll see how J.D. Davis performs when he comes back. Um, Who else is coming back soon? Is he the only bat left to come back? I think so. Okay. So Davis has got to perform. These third of the three guys are underperforming, got to perform. And again, you know, um, Carrasco is supposed to be back soon. That'll be huge because the rotation is also limping along. I mean, Lupin had to get a start the other day. 
So I would say we're well positioned given all that's gone down, but I, I, I think it's a precarious position personally. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think we're insanely lucky to be in first place. Um, I, again, like I had just said, we haven't had that many games with that full opening day lineup that we expected, but I haven't really been impressed with that lineup. If you look at the names, there really isn't any hole in it. There's n- no guy that I am wouldn't be confident in when he's playing up to his expectation. But right now, really, none of them are other than Nimmo. Um, so hopefully, yeah, they can all bounce back and play to where they are expected to. Because if they do, I don't think there's many teams that can beat the Mets with how good their pitching is. But they just have to hit, and they really haven't been. I mean, I think you're right. In the end, it's gonna. it will come down to the pitching. It will come down to the big three continuing to pitch well and Carrasco or some other fourth guy stepping up and and being able to fill that slot. Um, otherwise, we haven't we haven't had a lot of games against against the East, it seems. But anyway, we've been lucky. So the 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 Mets drafted a Kumar Rocker, tenth overall. Do you guys know about him? What do you guys think? John Rocker's son? <laughs> I, I don't know anything about Kumon Rocker. So Rocker was going into the year. He was expected to be the first overall pick. Last year, he was easily the best pitcher in all of college baseball. And up until this year, Jack Leiter, also with Vanderbilt, kind of passed him, had a better year. Um, but I... I'm very surprised and very excited that we got Rocker at 10. Um, There are reasons he fell, partially because a lot of the teams that we're picking early are small market, low budget teams. They couldn't afford to pay his signing bonus that he was going to ask. And then he also did have a bit of an inconsistent year, like some struggles with some of his command. But he has got to be the highest or one of the highest ceiling players in the draft. If he can develop, if the Mets can work their pitcher magic again, he could be an absolute steal at 10. So I'm I'm extremely excited that we got him. He could make the team in the next two years or so. Um, but yeah, I think that was, I mean, everyone's saying it, but it was a great pick. Surpri- very surprised that we got him. When I got that notification, I didn't really believe it. Um, but definitely a good one. Yeah, I was surprised too, just because he's the only college baseball player I know. So I knew he was good. And then and then the Mets got him. And I was like, oh, wow. Just what the Mets really needed, another really good pitcher. And he's from Watkinsville, Georgia, which is cool. He's huge. He's 6'5", 245. Hmm. I'm sure he has a really mean fastball. I have no Where idea. School? Vanderbilt. So. Oh, okay. So one of the best college baseball schools out there, and um, it it'll be really interesting to see how how he pans out. Yeah. So from what I've what I've read on him is his slider is amazing. If if he was in the MLB now, he'd probably have a top five, top ten slider. Ooh. His fastball is 
good. It's mid nineties. They said velocity was down this year, which is a concern. Also could be him not throwing as hard as he can. Cause he doesn't want to get hurt. Cause he knows he's going to be a top pick. Um, but yeah, I think they're saying his fastball command is a, a bit iffy. Same with his changeup, I think, but his slider is elite. So again, hopefully they can develop him and we'll have potentially another ace to add to the rotation. So notable uh, notable storylines around the league this week. Home run derby results. Jack, you were once again correct about a prediction. P.D. Alonzo wins it easily. He made it look easy out there. Did you guys watch? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, he. I'll tell you. He he was up there bopping around, dancing to his his music, and just enjoying it and destroying the ball just m- much more easily than everyone else. It seemed. It seemed like he really went out there and just decided that the home run derby is going to be mine for the next three years. He, he was absolutely the king of the derby. It was, it was really fun to watch actually. Well, good. I'm glad. I mean, I'm good for him. And, um, the, the, the only thing that concerned me when he said, I feel like I am the elite power hitter. What did he say? He said, <laughs> yeah, I, I the, elite the elite power hitter power in the league. Oh, and I'm like, dude, have a little humility. You're putting, you're really putting pressure on yourself when you start talking like that. But you know, some <laughs> players thrive on putting pressure on themselves. It actually helps them perform better. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he'll put up 32 thing. home runs next half. Who knows? That would be sweet. <laughs> I would not be surprised. You know, he's got 17 home runs here at the halfway mark, so he's on a path for 35. Mm-hmm. So I would not be surprised at some point. If he just catches royal fire, because he really hasn't, his home run, he hasn't gotten into a home run streak. Mm-hmm. He's just been plodding along, hitting the home runs here and there. And you look up and wow, wow, he's got 17. And you're thinking, well, he really hasn't gotten hot yet from a power perspective. So we might see a huge, huge burst from this guy at some point. Would not surprise me. Yeah, if he's looking for a confidence boost, he definitely got it last night. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. I read a surprising stat yesterday after the Derby that said that he has 15 home runs on the road and only two in City Field. I think that 15 is tied for the most in the NL for away home runs. So it is partially just that City Field has been a dreadful ballpark for offense, probably partially because the Mets are struggling, but also it's just not a great hitter's park. Um, so I think he actually has been better than his stats would say. That that could be even more of a sign that he will he might, you know, come into a ten game homestand and hit seven or eight home runs. Um to so I would not be surprised, as I say, to see him really catapult here in, in power numbers soon. Was City built with the same dimensions as Shea? No. No, actually, um, the Wilpons were huge. The, the father, Fred in particular, huge Brooklyn Dodger fan. So there's a lot of the, the, the those old cavernous stadiums. It was built much more cavernous. As you know, the fences were moved in, I think, in 2009 because the, 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 nobody was hitting home runs. Mm-hmm. 
from the point it opened till 2009. So finally, that whole M&M's area, that used to be part of the playing field. Because the Wilpons were thinking about how nice it was to see balls in play and guys hitting triples and throwing the ball around, which is fine, except the players hated it. <laughs> yeah. So they only, I think, just, you know, when did City open? 2004? I have no clue. Well, anyway, five or six years after it opened, they finally caved to the players' demands and, and brought the fences in, in particular, um, left and left center. Do you think the Mets being a pitching-oriented team has anything to do with the way they build their stadium? I, I don't know. I, I from, what, from what I recall, it was mostly that the the they like the hit they like balls like and play the idea of yeah of a big cavernous balls and play type of of stadium. They like playing with balls. Yeah, like I don't the know if the Wilpons are seventy. I don't know if the Wilpons are smart enough, honestly, to build a stadium around their team. It uh, doesn't sound like something they would do. <laughs> yeah, they do that. All-star game today. Anybody uh, Anybody going to watch? Anybody looking out for anything in particular? Mets players, obviously. So I wanted to talk about the all-star game a little bit. Um, I was curious especially to hear your opinion on this, Jack, as someone who watched the all-star game when it was huge and when it did matter. Because um, I was reading this article today that was talking about all the players that were opting out of the All-Star game this year. You know, you have yeah. DeGrom for, not that he is injured, but that he doesn't want to get injured because he's had all those scares this year. You have yeah. the whole, all the Astros All-Stars, Altuve, Correa, Brantley, Presley, because they're saying they just want to stay healthy, partially probably because they don't want to get booed. That's what I was thinking um, and then you got Buster Posey, who's out with injury, um, Darvish and Woodruff and Gosman. Two guys, two of them are just because they're supposed to start after the All-Star game, so they don't want to pitch. And I was reading this article that was basically saying that the players are almost doing a disservice to the fans by not playing, which, I mean, as a Mets fan, I totally support DeGrom not going. I wouldn't want him to go. But at the same time, we are missing out on some really cool matchups that we're just not going to get to see. Like, I do think it would be so cool to see, you know, DeGrom on the mound trying to navigate through Otani and Guerrero and Judge and whoever else at the top of that lineup. And then same thing, Otani on the other side facing the best hitters in the NL. And it is kind of a shame to have this really cool event and then the game's best aren't even at it. Um, and I think it I definitely goes back to a few things for me is now that it doesn't have any effect on World Series home field advantage, there's really nothing to play for, especially if you're a big name player. Because I know they do get money, but if you're a big name player, you don't need the money so they can just not go. And then also, you know, back back in the day when there was no interleague play, there really wasn't these huge playoffs. It was just, you know, the World Series was the only time you even faced off against the other league other than the All-Star game. So the All-Star game was, you know, the NL sends their best, the AL sends their best, and they go against each other, and it's awesome. Yeah, there's yeah. a little bit more to prove. Yeah, and yeah, it's just, it's a bigger thing. And now we're kind of going down 
that route where it's going to almost become kind of like the Pro Bowl or the NBA All-Star Game where yeah. no one's really excited to watch it. There really is no reason to watch it. I mean, I I don't plan on even watching it because I just don't even think it'll be exciting. Um, so yeah, I'm curious your guys' thoughts on that and if it's fine, like the All-Star Game just doesn't matter or should it be a bigger thing? I, I don't know. You want to take this first, Jack, or do you want me to go first? Well, I think Andrew hit on most of the key points. Um, I, I started paying attention to the All-Star game in late 60s, but in particular uh, in the early 70s. And, all right, for, first of all, your interleague play completely dis, you know, changes the complexion of the All-Star game because you're, okay, we want to see DeGrom against Altuve. Well... Maybe they're going to be an interleague game where the Mets are going to play the Astros. I mean, we have plenty of interleague games now where there is this cross-pollination. So that takes away from the All-Star game. And without interleague play, we used to have long, intense arguments and discussions over many, many beers back in the late 70s, early 80s about which league was better. Nobody ever discusses which league is better anymore because it's, it's all one league now. Mm-hmm. So when you had this whole argument about which league was better, the All-Star game mattered because this was going to prove on a very small scale which league was better. And then, mm-hmm. then you had bragging rights. Hey, we won the All-Star game. We kill, you know, I mean, the National League back in the late 60s, early 70s won like 12 out of 13 All-Star games. And we used to, as Met fans versus Yankee fans, we used to hang our hat on that all the time. You know, so that was a big, big deal. The money has changed. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to get five grand or four grand or two grand back in the day to win the All-Star game and you're only making 50 grand, mm-hmm. that was a big deal too. And there was a lot of pride um, about uh, about your league. I can remember um, <laughs> showing my age here. Um, Al Kaline, the, the Tigers were playing the Cardinals in the '68 World Series. They were down three games to one. They won Game Five to go up to to, to cut it to three games to two. Al Kaline was interviewed after the game. He talked about the pride that he had in his league that he wanted to do it for his league win the World Series. I mean, could you imagine? You would never hear that today. Now, having said all that, the All-Star game is now just a farcical exhibition game the way the Pro Bowl is, the way the NBA is. Because what's more important? You really, who wants to get hurt making $20 million, $15, $20 million a year playing the All-Star game when you're in the thick of a pennant race? Nobody. So that's why in the Pro Bowl and in the NBA, and I don't blame the players at all. Who wants to play hard in a game that has merely become just truly, obviously they've always been ex- exhibition games, but they truly mean nothing at this point. Um, really, it's just, it's just a sales pitch for your league in any of, the, any of the three major sports. It's just a sales pitch. I mean, the Pro Bowl exists because all the big NFL league sponsors can send a bunch of people over and get free tickets to the Pro Bowl in Hawaii and have a vacation. So the NFL goes, well, we have to play this game because we promised all these people 
a vacation to Hawaii, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I think the, the game, uh, if the All-Star game was no longer played, for me personally, I would be perfectly fine. I wouldn't miss it at all. So I don't know about a younger perspective on that, but it's just, it's lost all meaning at this point. All the drama and all the fun is, to me, is just been taken out of it. Yeah. I can't believe you showed your age finally in episode four. <laughs> nobody, nobody knew how nobody old you knew, were huh? until nobody you said until you said that, man. That was you were getting away with it pretty good. Well, well, as a younger person, I can say that um, All Star games to me, um, NBA, NHL, uh, Pro Bowl, and football have always been just kind of ridiculous. You know, I I didn't really care about watching them. They're kind of they're not they're not the sport that they represent really. And baseball was always the closest to the sport it represented, and it's it's gonna start getting worse and worse. It seems like, and you know, I guess there's not really a way to fix it. There's not really a way that you can make it better. Um, or like baseball, like a real baseball game that matters. So it'll be interesting. They'll probably modify it even more to make it more entertaining, like they do with the NHL All Star game and that kind of stuff. So I think the years of it being actual baseball are are going to be long gone soon. But of all the reasons given, I think the bottom line is the money is so huge right yeah. now. It, it really makes no sense for me to go. If I'm DeGrom, I go, oh, let's see if I could strike out nine batters in a row at the All-Star game. I mean, it just, yeah. I mean, if you go back to box scores in the All-Star game of the 50s and the 60s, the starters would go three innings. Mm-hmm. And the starting nine, I mean, half of those guys would play the whole game because they wanted to win the game. Um, and there's no need to do that anymore. Like I say, I do not blame the players for going there and not caring about winning because it's meaningless at this point. So that those are my thoughts on that. Beautiful. Very eloquent. Thank you. So Ronald Acuna Jr. tore his ACL this week out for nine to oh, ten months. That's good for no Mets fans. Kidding. Sad yeah, for yeah. Ronald Acuna Jr. And also sad for, I think, Andrew. Is he on your team? For yeah. steals? Yeah, unfortunately. A replacement this week, I guess. I think so, yeah. I'm going to have to burn it on him. It's uh, too bad. Too bad for the Braves, but I don't really care about the Braves. I actually hate them. So, everybody else agree? Well, yeah. Of course we agree. <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's part of this new generation. Have you guys seen the uh, commercial for... I don't know. be the, the show? Yeah, is that is that the video game? Yeah. Have you where seen the like, commercial? I don't where they're like, I don't care if you think this isn't real baseball. This is yeah, how Tatis. we play. And it's not gonna Tatis. change anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, the game has changed and, and tough noogies. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Okay, fine. You're you're talking to an old man and I'll be dead soon. So, you know, the future <laughs> The future of the game regarding the fans is not with people like me. Mm-hmm. It's with people like you guys. Right. So, you know, he's not really hurting the game by saying that because 
the only people be offended be people like me, and we're already on the way out anyway. But I don't know. What do you guys think about that when he goes, the game has changed and tough noogies, this is the way it's going to be? Well, I think what he's referring to is like the the more um, flamboyant, like, showboating. flamboyant, yeah, flamboyant yeah. showboating part, right? Yeah, not like the style of play, and I don't really care, um, especially because I think that people have been showboating for all of time, and it just is seen as different now for some reason, like. When Gibson hit the home run, he went. He ran all the way around the bases, pumping and yes. limping and doing his thing, and that was that was awesome. Everybody remembers that how awesome yes. that was, and I know that was a big moment. And now people bat flip for foul balls, but mm. you know, you know, I, I, I'm okay um, with with showboating and having a good time as long as you still take the game seriously. I don't know about yeah, Andrew. And guy, yeah, Andrew, what about that? The game, yeah, is, I mean, the game has changed stuff nuggies. Yeah, I I I agree with Zach. I feel like it's just they're doing the same thing in a slightly different way. We had that brief period of time where the bat flips were really starting and the pitchers were getting really mad, but now you have these huge pitcher celebrations too. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't have a problem with any of the celebrations or anything like that, but I also feel like it's pointless to even focus on it. Like it's just another part of the game at this point. It's not going anywhere. Well, I think like you guys are saying, if it's going to be an accepted part of the game and the pitchers are okay with it Mm -hmm. and they're not going to drill the guy next time he comes up or drill the next batter, (laughs) that's what we don't want. So if they're okay with it, then okay, let's have it. But Jack, as you also said, um, so that's good. The other thing is that as long as they continue to play and take the game itself very seriously, then it's okay. I, I'm I'm okay with it too. I don't necessarily like it, but I get it. And as long as you still play hard, then it's okay. I mean, we all know Manny Machado can flip his bat. That's fine. But when you hit a ground ball to shortstop and you don't run hard then it's not okay to flip in your bat. But if you're still running hard on a ground ball that's short, then go ahead and flip your damn bat for all I care. So, that's all what right. Old man's on board. You hear that, yeah, Tatis? Right. He doesn't care. He's uh, buying MLB The Show tonight. Right. He doesn't, as as he doesn't have a PS5 or an Xbox, but he's buying it. As long as there's no bean balls, I'm okay. All right, today is July 13th, 2021. Andrew, what else happened today in history? Okay, today in history, I don't even know why I wrote down notes for this one because I have a feeling Jack might be able to tell us the whole story, but... What year um, was it? 1977. I guess it was probably an All-Star Game fact then. Well, I, I had read a lot of All-Star Game facts, but this one is the New York City blackout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell it or you want me to? You go ahead. All right. Well, I don't have too much on it, but it was Mets-Cubs game. Uh, there was, right in the middle of the game, power went out across basically the entire city, which outside of the game caused tons of looting and fires and crime, and the city just went insane. Um, but yes. at the game... The batter at the time, which I think is really funny, the lights went out. He 
The ball didn't even get thrown, but he swung his bat anyway. Lenny Randall, he pretended to get a hit and started running for second base. I think they eventually tackled him when he got to second or something like that. Um, And then the players ended up getting in their cars, driving their cars onto the field, and then having a pretend infield practice session like with no ball or anything just to entertain the fans and to i guess keep them calm or so i don't know exactly what the point of it but the mets players just went out and they were having infield practice with no ball or anything and just like putting on a show for the fans uh, i listened to a brief radio snippet of it with like ralph ralph kiner talking and it, it was really cool but uh yeah pretty crazy moment just for the entire city uh, unbelievably i do not remember that so i'm going to have to um i Take just ten. i just i just um googled it so i see there are some videos from that particular moment so i'm going to have to um well i can't believe i don't remember this cuz i would have been watching the game more than likely but I'm going to have to go look at that. That's interesting. Thank you for bringing that to my It might be because your TV turned off, Dad. Uh, That could be. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about that, but yeah, that could be. Um, All right. So they they drove their cars onto the field to provide light? Yeah. Okay, so they put their lights onto the field. It probably came in through the center field fence. The center field fence at 410 used to open up. And that's where they kept a lot of the uh, like the groundskeeping type equipment. And actually, I think the players may have even parked back there. So, so yeah, they probably came in through the center field fence. And uh, that that's hilarious. I had no idea about that. Also, it's pretty funny they tackled the guy running the second. <laughs> that's an interesting note. Like, why? Yeah. Why treat him like a streaker? What's going on there? He's just trying to have a good time. All right, Jack, anything bothering you specifically this week? I don't make take of my notes. Well, okay. All right. There's a few things here. Specifically. Specifically. Okay, well, specifically, <laughs> um, I, I, I've seen him do it twice now. I don't know if he's doing it every time. Mm-hmm. Pete Alonso doing this windmill when approaching third base after oh, a run. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. How, how long has he been doing that for? I only remember noticing it once, and it was okay. the last home run he hit. So I have no. Clue. I've seen it twice, and it was both times. It was a, it was a crucial home run, so it wasn't like it was you know they were down seven to one and he had a home run. It was a it was a big home run, but I don't know if this is going to be like his normal routine after every home run. I but I saw that, and that that concerns me. I have to keep an eye. All guys, keep an eye on that for me too. All right. I'm going to say that I think it's going to be his thing because uh, Tatis has a thing. Um, McCutcheon's had a thing when he hits a home run forever. Guys guys have things. What's McCutcheon's thing? McCutcheon, like, uh, grabs the top of his helmet and steps on home plate. Like, he does, like, a little shuffle step. Well, Well, he actually – no, he has an even crazier thing. He, as he's rounding third base – plays rock paper scissors with the third base coach yep oh what how many home runs does he hit that he gets to play rock paper scissors all the time with his well that's weird i feel like he's not really is he still hitting home runs like how recent is this is this year 
it's at least this year. I know I've seen on the broadcast they have like a tracker to see who's won more games. Let me see. I'm on That's it. Inter- who's winning? Andrew McCutcheon. Third base coach. <laughs> oh, I'll be damned. Andrew McCutcheon's got 15 home runs this year. Okay. So all right, yeah. odd number. So somebody's definitely winning in the. Uh... I mean, there, there could but... be ties. So I got another question. Does does he stop at no. third as, as he's rounding second? Well, what it's... if it's a tie? Do they just no. say tie? Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. I guess they do. Yeah, he does it like basically he as he's stepping stride. on third base. Okay. As long as he's not breaking stride, then it's semi-appropriate. I don't like it though. I think that's well, too much. I will say this: at least it's a little more subtle than this whole windmill guitar thing that Pete Townsend thing that Alonzo's doing as he's approaching third base. That's like it's not subtle at all. That's that's Mike. I I, I understand touching your helmet or or but that's you think um, rock paper scissors is less oh uh, yeah he just you stands know, you just out less boom, boom boom you know wait, you're wait, just wait. hitting your fist against your hand three times and it's sticking your hand out as you're running i mean that's not a windmill guitar i guess so i i only saw I, he he went around twice and that was all i saw I just saw one. Well, I saw two. two like I said, How many does I he go around I, when you saw? I I just want to know. I just I don't want to keep my eye on. It's all I'm saying. I'm 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 just I asking how how many windmills did he do? Like I only saw how two. many times did he, he move his arm around in a circle? Is what I'm well, asking. Well, the camera wasn't on him the whole time. Okay, so you don't know. No, I do not know. Okay, I only saw him do two, and then he high fived the guy, the third base coach. I didn't think it was very. I did notice it, so I guess it was enough to catch my attention, but I didn't think yeah, it was Yeah, the McCutcheon too... thing is barely noticeable. Oh, is there a video of it? Let's yeah, see. Andrew just sent you one. It's barely noticeable. Let's see it. He just goes boom, 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 and they're just having fun. That's no big deal. Oh, yeah, that that, that is pretty casual. See, I was, yeah, assuming, exactly. I was assuming he was doing the standard hand under... Underneath, <laughs> come on! I was imagining more credit than that. I was imagining him doing it in a much nerdier way than that. And he looks no, pretty no. cool there. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, the third base coach got him. Yeah, third base coaches have to be sharp though. So, let's see. Is this a? Yeah, here's here's the video of Tatis doing his stutter mm-hmm. step. Oh, that's definitely uncalled for. Where he stops and then and then that's stutters ridiculous. around third. No, no, that's bad. Dad, if you had a third base routine after your home run, what would it be? You know what mine would be? A, a gentle, manly handshake at the third base coach. No, you would have the third base coach, coach hand you a beer on the way around. And then wow. you would shotgun it on, yeah, shotgun on, 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 oh, that, on base. That used to happen in my old softball league back in the 80s. Oh, really? Oh, Sounds yeah. like it probably happens at the Savannah Bananas game. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, that could be. That could be. All right, Andrew. What's bothering you this week? All right, so I have another, another gripe related to umpiring. All right. Okay, so I'm gonna copy this this link into the Discord. Uh, just watch. You only gotta watch the first 10, 15 seconds. Uh, it's play with Christian Yelich where he ends up getting ejected from the game. So he hits ground ball, or sorry, he bunts it down third base line. Ball gets thrown away. He takes a little stutter step like he's gonna go to second base. Stops, 
gets tagged out and gets called out, which I think that's the right call. It is a, I looked up the rule. It is a judgment call. He does kind of make the move towards second base. So I have no problem with the ump calling him out. What I have a problem with is the way the umpire calls him out. He gives this huge out call immediately gets right in his face and uh-huh. he's kind of like showing him up, ready for an argument, ready for a fight. And I think it just kind of outlines a problem with umpires in general, where they just are trying to make it all about them and kind of take away from the players. It's kind of the same thing when you have home plate umpire make a really delayed strike three call on like in a crucial spot to kind of play it up and or an umpire ejects a starting pitcher before either team's even getting a warning. And they're acting like the fans are there to see them, which obviously is not the case. Like they're just there to make the calls and that's it. And I think there's a few umpires, especially that just have massive egos and are there to make it all about them. And I just can't stand it. Yeah. Simple fist pump would have done there. I feel like just a little, mm. Although it was a good call. Yeah, yeah, I agree with the call. Yeah, but I tell you, go ahead, Zang. The rule is you have to make an effort to go to second, right? Yeah, if you make any effort. Any effort. Okay, so just that little turn of the hips, basically, and and you're out. If, if yeah, I mean, back. you could see he's looking at where the ball is, and for a split second, he thought to himself, maybe I should go to second. Then he goes, no, no, I better not. But then it's too late. Yeah, so. and I think in this video, the f- the first base coach sends him, and he tries to kind of break up the or he feel it seems like he feels really bad about trying to send him because Yelich stops Probably. himself and the first base coach sends him. So I think it's really the first base coach's fault. Yeah, probably. But but the Andrews point. This has been always an issue. There's always been since I've been watching. A couple of umpires in the league who are just too much about them and they're part of the show. And um, it's always an issue um, mm-hmm. forever that you're going to get a few umpires. You know, it's only going to be a couple, three. Or even certain umpires maybe get, maybe get lost in the moment. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. The umpires should have control and not become part of the story there's no doubt but of course as we discussed last week their job is becoming much more painful with decent replay i mean it's a shame to that point uh you had asked me last week the percentage of calls overturned in replay so i have Mm -hmm. some data so in 2020 it was 44.7 percent of calls that went to replay were overturned. So under half by a good amount. And honestly, that that surprised me. I feel like it should be well over 50% if you just think about it. You know, like the umpire is making this split second call on only what he's seen. And then immediately it goes to the replay guy. Each team has at least one guy who's looking at all the angles really quick and then he's telling the team whether they should challenge or not. And you would yes. think you would think the guy who has multiple angles of it 
should be right more than the guy who is just making a really quick call from one angle in real time and that's it. So I yeah. don't know if 44% is high enough if we're getting some artificial do, we, do you have any statistics from previous seasons? Yes, so I have the last I want to say this is 7 years uh so this is starting in the furthest year and going to now. It was 47, 48, 50, 48, 46, 44, 44. So I know it's about that. It's pretty consistent. It was getting right around 50%, and then it took another dive down. That could just be a coincidence, or it could be umpires realizing, you know, they're getting more calls right than we are. We need to get that number down. I don't know if that's the case or not. It's 2021. Do you have 2021 numbers? I don't have 2021. Those aren't up yet. Okay. That'll be interesting to see. But, I, I mean... That's it, it, a few things there. I mean, like you said, the the team has a certain amount of time where they have to review the call. Whoever's reviewing the call for the team upstairs, call down to the dugout, say, "Yeah, you better want to look at this." And then, of course, there's also those appeal plays where I don't know what the rule is now, but used to be you had one or two appeals available to you, and now it's the ninth inning, bottom of the ninth, two outs, ground ball, close play at first. And the manager goes like, oh, screw it. I still have an appeal left. I'll do it. And I've seen some of those. And it's so painful because you know the guy is out or he's safe, whatever it is. But the opposing manager is like, well, screw it. I got nothing to lose. I have an appeal here at the end. I might as well use it up. So I, I, I mean, am surprised 45 to 50% does seem lower than I would have expected to be. But so many of these plays are bang bang, as we all know. And even on the replay, it's that's a whole nother story. But anyway, it's a, it's a shit job right now because you can't you can't win. If you get it right, so what? If you get it wrong, the whole world knows about it. So yeah, yeah, you're definitely not getting any accolades unless it's the Bill Clement Award. I don't know. That's why the Bill Clemmel Award is so important because that's all these umps are umping for nowadays. A right. paycheck that's and the Bill Clemmel Award. And all balls and strikes are the only thing they can't be uh, called out on anymore. Yep. Exactly. You know, so all right, what's next, boys? All right. So it's the uh, old school, new school quiz. Are you guys ready? Oh, boy. All right. Well, I got to type this in. You right, can text it to me. That would be uh, perfect. I, I'm on. I'm on uh, Discord. I'm gonna. I'm gonna type it in. Yeah, are you, are you gonna just t- type it to me though? Or are you gonna? Are you just gonna be know. to Andrew as well? That's right. I won't look. All right, Andrew. Don't you right. dare All cheat. Right. No, I think I'm going straight to you, Zach. Go ahead. Ready? I'm ready. All right, guys. This week I have some great questions for you. 1953, we're starting with an old school. 1953 mm-hmm. World Series loser. This might be a question I asked last week. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't keep track. That's just who I am. I sent you my answer. Did you get it? Oh, yeah, I saw it. All right. Andrew says Dodgers. Jack says Dodgers as well, and that is the correct answer. You both all of World Series from forty nine to fifty six were all Dodgers almost all were Dodgers Yankees. 
Andrew, did you know that? No, I'm have, writing have you that down right now. Up? Have you been yeah, reading up? <laughs> 49. I mean, it's all, there were one or two exceptions, but Dodgers-Yankees, I think there was only one exception from 49 to 56. It's all done. Now, 54 was uh, Cleveland. Anyway, go ahead. It's impressive knowledge there. Thank you. I got it right. Yeah, yeah, you both got it right. So Andrew, Andrew's winning one nothing. Why? Because you get zero for getting your own era oh, correct. Please. Well, Andrew gets zero right, for getting his own era correct. It's a very right, fair right, system we have here. Don't you worry. Right, Twenty fifteen World Series winner. Who? Twenty fifteen World Series winner. Oh, I even know this. This was your guys' gimme of the week. Yeah, it's a gimme. I, I, I couldn't tell you 2016. I could tell you 2015. You couldn't tell me 2016. You better, you better take a guess. You better take that back right oh, now. That is okay. a, I, I couldn't tell you 2017. That is offensive. <laughs> Only the most <laughs> historic World Series win. Yeah, in the past. yeah, yeah. Well, it was only historic right. for one reason. Yeah, because they sucked. All right. Yeah. They 1911 city where the World Series was won. So the city of the last game of the World Series in 1911. This is a weird one. But not that weird. It's really not. Both of you in quickly with determination. Andrew says Chicago. Jack says Philly. Answer is Philly. Build up the A's. I forget who they won beat, but Philadelphia A's, I believe, won the nineteen. Oh, you forgot World who they beat? I should have asked. Uh, who lost um, the nineteen eleven World Series. Uh, I'll just throw out. Um, it New is York Giants. Uh, it Giants. is that is correct. New York Giants. <laughs> okay. Um, and the only reason I know that is because I have to look up these questions. Two thousand and nineteen. What? Oh, go and go for it. Go for it. Let's hear the oh, no. stat. I want to hear the stat. No. No. This is why people listen to Loogie for these jack stats. Uh, Philadelphia A's, Connie Mack, home run Baker, $100,000 infield, you know. $100,000 for one infield? Believe it wow. or not. <laughs> wow, that's they were known as the $100,000 infield. Stuffy McGinnis, home run Baker, and I forget the other two guys. But and that was supposed to be a big number, huh? Oh, it was huge. Yeah, it puts oh, wow. the uh, Padres billion-dollar infield to shame. If you Google $100,000 infield, I'm sure it'll come up. Anyway. Low, low prices. 2019, city where the World Series was won. Where was the last game of the 2019 World Series? Both of you, quick again. Andrew says Tampa. Jack says Boston. You guys (laughs) are both incorrect. Uh, It was LA. It's Houston. What? 2019, Houston lost oh. to the Washington Nationals. Mm. I was thinking of the 2021. I don't know why. That's negative who won, one for who Andrew. Won last year? Who won last year? Dodgers. The Dodgers. Oh, shit. You didn't know that? Oh, I was still in rehab. <laughs> I could have asked you that one. Still we shouldn't have told him the answer. All right. 1961 batting average leader in the NL. Come on, man. What, is it too easy for you? No. No, it's not. I can tell you a lot of things about 1961, except that. 
Uh, okay. Well, that's good then. It's supposed to be difficult for you. I want Andrew to win. Okay. 61, Jack's, the Giants won the pennant. Jack's answer is in. So I'm just going to pick a Giant. Andrew's answer not in yet. He could use this Giants information. Let's see if he takes advantage here. I should have, but I didn't. He goes, Hank Aaron. You guys, you guys are both incorrect. Jack went Willie Mays. Andrew went Hank Aaron. The answer was Roberto Clemente <sighs> of the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, that reminds me of my favorite baseball card. Um, it's yeah? a 67 tops. Oh, I've seen this. And it's a 66 National League batting leaders. Mm -hmm. And the three batting leaders, the top three batters are pictured on the card. And it's Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, and Roberto Clemente. And that it's is that card I have board. probably, I would say if I sent it off for a grading, it'd probably be like an eight or a nine. It's, it's near mint. And uh, I, I wouldn't sell it. It's just it's just an awesome card to have those three guys. The outfield of the 60s in the National League anyway. Um, anyway. All right, what's next? Can you guys guess? What the next, can I guess what the next question is? No. 2018 NL batting leader. That's exactly what the question is. No, it is not. Yeah, it is. It is. It's always I'm batting over. average. It's always the same category in a different year. So he just guessed 2018. He's exactly correct. National League batting leader? Yeah, National League batting average. It's tied 0-0 zero, zero right now. So you guys are in a deadlock. It's very, this is a very, very important final answer here from Andrew. Okay, well, I gave my answer, but I might change it. Hold on. Let me think for a second. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, who did somebody beat out Daniel Murphy? No, no, that's a different year. All so, right, I don't know. So, um, Dad said uh, the <laughs> one of the greatest Washington senators of all time, Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. And all Andrew right. said MVP Christian Yelich, which is Correct. So we're going mm. to an overtime round. All right. I'm ready. Overtime. So the overtime question for the oldsters is going to be 1924 mm -hmm. City of the World Series loser. Who lost? Who lost the World Series in 1924 and what city were they from? I know who won. I didn't ask for that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the Senators won in 24. And who lost? This is my gut feeling. Okay, give me your gut. I gave it Oh! Yeah? Jack says Pittsburgh. Ruby says Cincinnati. The answer was New York City. The Giants. New York Giants lost uh, to the Washington Senators. Well, that was so, Walter Johnson's. He Walter Johnson finally won a World Series with the Senators after he, he was an old man by the time, but he had such an unbelievable career with a really shitty team. 
and uh, that was 24 World Series same is famous for Walter Johnson actually winning the World Series. So I thought it was Pittsburgh, but it was the Giants. Uh, okay. Okay, now we're going to move on to the new school. Dad's got negative one now. Andrew's Albert Pujols is all my answer. All he's got to do is get Albert the question Pujols right. Albert Pujols is my answer. Dad, what did I tell you? What was the question? <laughs> what What's the question format always been for this? This is the fourth I don't know. week. Just go ahead and give me Same the question. question, different year. Right, the city of the 2014 World Series loser. Oh, man. I'm there's still in no, rehab. There's no way you're getting this one right, Dad. I'm just letting you know right now. Um, <laughs> you're probably right. I'm not going to get this one correct. Um, Andrew's answer is in. Minnesota? Well, I don't know. <laughs> they had to be in last place that year. <laughs> and that's also a state, not a city. <laughs> okay, Minneapolis. All right, Minneapolis is correct. What? No, I'm just joking. Kansas City was the answer, and Andrew got it right, so he's this week's winner. It is now 2-1, to one, Andrew over Jack. All right. That yes. is not going to last. <laughs> yes, it will. I'll never get any of these right. When I was in rehab, I don't know any of the answers. But that's well, okay. Well, I'm going to run out of new years eventually, so I'm going to have to keep going further and further back, pushing into Jack territory. Well, that's true. Yeah, that 2014 was even – I only knew that because the Mets played the Royals the year after, but any year 2014 or earlier, I got nothing. Honestly, the I had Royals, to look it up. The Royals were in its World Series in 2014 also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I lost to the Giants, I believe. You're yep. shitting me. How did they make the World Series twice? That's amazing. Yeah, what, what is it? What is your home. what is your best friend John always say? He always says, uh, "Small oh, market yeah. teams can't win. Can't win." He's an asshole. Kansas <laughs> City made it two years in a row. They're kind of oh, small well, they, market. And, right? and the Pirates made the World Series made the playoffs three years in a row here recently. Granted, yeah. it was a wild card game every year, but still, they made the they made the playoffs three years in a row when McCutcheon was there. Yeah, the Cubs beat him in 2015, 2015 yeah. And that's uh, when that dude beat up that water cooler. Remember that? Yeah, oh, yeah. Or was that a regular season game? I think that was the playoffs. All right. Should we go to the question vault this week? Sure. All right, let's see. Let's see what we got. All right, here, here's a question for you, Jack. How old is too old to wear a glove to a game? We have kind of a story about this one. I have a story too, and it's it's really a beautiful story for me. Well, Zach, you were with me. That's what I just said. I said we have a story for this one. Oh yes, you and I. Yes, I mean <laughs> I'll never forget it. Um, Zach and I were sitting in the bleachers at Wrigley, and that was twenty. Well, I don't know what what was it, Zach. Twenty seventeen. But there was a that gentleman was the first sitting. Time we went. Yeah, there's a gentleman sitting to our right. He had to be sixty five years old, mm -hmm. and he was with. His what what I believe was his son, yeah, who was about thirty five years old, and the sixty five year old gentleman had his glove with him sitting next to him on the bleacher seat, and his name was on his glove. Yeah, it was written on which a means finger with a pen. He wrote his name in a pen, which means this glove had to be at least thirty years old. It was a glove he used. For who knows how long. But the gentleman only put his glove on, and he did it very discreetly. He just slid his hand into his glove, 
only when Chris Bryant came to the plate. It was a beautiful thing to witness. And when Chris Bryant's at bat was over, he slipped his glove, his hand out of the glove. So in disappointment. How old? How old? How old? <laughs> it, 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 you can never be too old to bring your glove to a game. Never. Good times. But anyway, that that's my story. The the gentleman, this older gentleman, had his glove, and I just thought that was a beautiful thing. Yep. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's what do my you think? What do you think, Andrew? I agree. I think that you can never be too old to have a glove no. at a game. But if you're going to be a dick, like that guy was really sweet. That guy was very yep. subtle, like you said. He was just slipping yep. it on and off. He he wasn't going to... I couldn't picture him jumping over a child to get a ball. No. no. If you're doing that, then you don't deserve to bring a glove to a game. But if you're this guy and you're playing it chill, and if it gets hit to you, it'll be the best day of your old life. And that yep. is perfect, and it's beautiful, and that's why we love baseball. But if you're a yeah. dick, then don't bring your glove. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I didn't really have a number, but I was going to give some number. But after hearing that, I'm on board. I, if, if like exactly like you're saying, if you're going to be respectful about it and not steal from some kid or whatever, you're yeah. sitting in your seat and it gets hit to you, you're catching it, I'm all for it. I mean, you know, he's sitting here with his son, and he's got a glove with his name written in pen. And I think it was just his first initial, like F. Dot Smith or or whatever it was. Maybe Schmitty Bob. And then you got, to, and then you start thinking about, well, how long has this guy been coming to the bleachers and sitting out here in left field to catch balls? Because when you watch games from Wrigley in the seventies and eighties. There's hardly anyone sitting out there. Of course, it was like two bucks to sit out there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all like there is now, all the food concessions and the grandstands. And, and I mean, it's all totally big, upscale, fancy out there now, which is fine. That's the way it has to be today. But, you know, this guy may have been coming there since the 80s, um, paying two bucks just to sit out there and watch a game on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, it was a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's like a gap in between, like zero years old to 16 years old, you can bring one, and then 60 and up, you can bring one, and anywhere in between. But you know what? I think we should just say all ages is fine. Yep. Bring your glove. I wonder if anybody else besides Chris Bryant hit the ball to him, if he would have stuck it on really quick or if he would have just smacked it out of the air. No, I don't think so. I think he just would have ducked. <laughs> He'd have been like, no, not that no. one. Only no, here for Chris. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Andrew, do you have any diamonds in the rough for us this week? Yeah, I got a quick one. Seeing as it's All-Star weekend, I thought I'd talk about one of the lesser-known All-Stars. Uh, Cedric Mullins. I don't know if either of you know anything about Cedric Mullins. No, he's on the Orioles. Yeah. Is that right? so, yep. Which honestly is kind of a shame because he's well, it is his first productive year. But if Otani didn't exist or wasn't going insane, Mullins would realistically be an MVP candidate because he's just having an absurd year that. No one's really talking about. And I had heard this 
story kind of early in the year, but it seems like no one really knows about it. But basically, Cedric Mullins throughout his whole career was a switch hitter. He had a brief stint in the majors in 2019. Uh, was when he first came up, didn't play too many games, struggled, hit. Oh, all right, this is actually my mistake. He started in 2018. He hit 235. 2019, he hit 094. He really struggled. 2020, 271. And then this year, he's hitting 314. He's got 16 home runs, and he's just been very impressive. Um, but what I noticed and what I heard and the change that he made is he was a switch hitter throughout his entire career, but he really struggled against lefties as a righty. So in 2019, he hit, well, it was just a bad year all around, but he hit 102 as a lefty against righties, and he hit 067 as a righty against lefties. And then in 2020, he hit 305 as a lefty, but he only hit 171 batting as a righty. So this year they decided to, he's no longer a switch hitter. He's only going to bat lefty. And he's hitting 298 against lefties and 321 against righties. So I guess they just noticed, and if you look at the the stats, it is pretty obvious that when he was batting right-handed, he just couldn't hit. And if you look at the numbers, like he's hitting 298 against lefties. So it's not that he couldn't hit lefties. He just couldn't bat as a righty. And yeah, he's having a great year. Should be an MVP candidate. Obviously won't win if Otani does anything like he's been doing. Yeah, he's got 16 stolen bases too, which I appreciate. Um, JT Snow for the Giants is someone who's done that as well. But there have been very few who have done that. Um, And Wally Joyner too, I think, is one maybe. But anyway... Be interesting to see this guy. Now, where does he bat in their lineup? Do you know? He's been leading off. I think he is still their leadoff hitter. Okay. He leads, leads the yeah, AL. Yeah, 16 stolen bases. Yeah. Yep. All right. Good good player. I, like, I love center fielders who can field, hit, and steal bases. Those are my favorite players of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's got it all except for the arm. So you'd call him the four-tool player. His arm isn't great, but other than that, Great fielder. He's clearly got some power. Might be my first pick in Stratomatic if we ever play. Ah, I tell you, you can learn a lot about a baseball player just from a Stratomatic card. It's incredible. But anyway. All right, Jack, we're going to test your knowledge again. Oh, boy. Now, do you have a prefer? Like, do you want me to ask you what was every stat on somebody's Stratomatic card? Because you seem to be very well versed no. in that. Well, you know, only certain years that I was playing Stratomatic, I knew certain guys. All right, I'm going to rattle off a couple questions here. You ready? Yeah, oh yeah. All right, 19, we'll stick with 1961. You said you knew a lot about 1961. No, maybe. Um, We'll go 1961 AL MVP. Well, I hope it was Roger Maris. He has 61 home runs. But they probably gave it to Mickey Mantle. I'm going to say Mickey Mantle. It was Roger Maris. I should have gave it to Roger Maris. That was a good move. (laughs) (laughs) So your your one-year-old self was very pleased with that decision. Then Mickey Mantle was probably second in the voting. 
All right, let's stick with. I probably will just have a sixty-one uh, fire oh, sale. Nineteen sixty-one NL MVP. Frank Robinson. Correct. He's only let's he was see. the first player, I think, the first player to win MVP in both leagues because when he got traded to the Orioles in his sixty-five offseason, he won the triple crown in sixty-six, leading the Orioles to the pennant in sixty-six. Hmm. What a man. Yeah, he's the first player to win win the MVP in both leagues, to the best of my recollection. Is he the best Frank baseball player ever? Oh, yeah, Frank Robinson. Yeah, he could he could do it all. Frank Thomas got nothing on him? No, no, no. Frank Robinson is the man. All right, how about 1961 NLRBI leader? Ted Klusu- no. Um, I'm going to say Willie McCovey. I've never heard of this guy. His name is Jim Gentile. Oh, yeah. He he had a very brief moment of glory. He was not a consistently good player. Steroids. How about 1961 ALRBI leader? Mickey Bantle. What? Who hit the most home runs? Come on. Roger Maris. Yeah, baby. Roger Maris. How about, you know anything about stolen bases? Um, I know what I know the definition of a stolen 1961 base. stolen base leader in the NL. Well, Maury Wills stole 104 bases in 1962, but I don't think he won in 1961. It was probably was it Omar Vizquel? No, wait a minute, no, it has a different guy. What league? I know. How many bases did you say he stole in 62? 104. Maury Wills did. It says Maury Wills stole 35 bases in 61 for the number one rank. He did that in 62, I thought. Well, it says he stole 35 bases. So who was in 1961? Is it Maury Wills? Yeah, Maury Wills. Oh, okay. With 35? How many, how many stolen bases did you say he won? He had in 62? 126? 104. 104? He set the record. Yeah. Since he only had 34 in 61. Okay, he had 30. He had 104 in 62. Just telling you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but like, let me look up 62 now. I have to look in 62. Why? It's Maury Wills. 104. Well, because the, the numbers were staggeringly different. So I want to see what the top 25 was. Do you know who the next person was on that list? After 104? Yeah. Uh, somebody with 30? I don't know. 32? Wait, what? Yeah. So he just decided yeah. I'm going to steal 104 bases this year? Well, I tell you, um, I'm, I'm looking at his numbers now just because I'm the only, I mean, there wasn't a big difference in terms of hits. Okay, he went from 173 hits to 208 hits. So that's an improvement. He walked less, eight times less. So if you just forgetting about getting on base via error, it's only a 23 improvement in terms of times at first base, but it's a 70 stolen base improvement. And do you see um, these caught stealing numbers? 13, 117 attempts, 104 successful. 
which is really interesting. Yeah. He got thrown out more times in 61 when he only stole 35 than in 62 when he stole 104. And also in 63, he got thrown out more times than when he stole 40 in 1963. And guess how many? Wait, wait. He only had 40. In 1963, so he went back yeah. down to, to Earth. Yeah. And then 94 in 65. Yeah. He had 65 in 90. Wait, what? He had 94 stolen bases in, in 65. 65. So he was all over the place. So he, he was it. he was systematically doing cocaine then or something. What, what drug is he oh, using? You to know, get he, that kind he, of I think he actually did do drugs, but like <laughs> that, no, I mean, I, I think... <laughs> Well, one thing that's interesting is that it was the same manager, too. I mean, Walter Alston was the manager of the team in both, all, all those, during all those years in the 60s. It's weird. Did yeah. the third base coach change or something? Yeah, I don't know, man. That's, that's a good question, though. I'd love that's to so hear what Maury Wills has to say about that. Why in 62 did he steal 70 more bases? What the hell happened? And then steal 60 less. The next year. Because once you steal 100, you just keep stealing 100. Or at least, you know, close to 100. Anyway. Most stolen bases in a year. Do you know who the number one most stolen bases in a year guy is? Yeah, Ricky Henderson stole 130. Do you know about this guy from 1887? <laughs> um, Billy Sunday? Hugh Nickel. Hugh Nickel? Yeah, stole 139 bases in 1887 for the Cincinnati somethings. Was well, it still the Reds? 1887. Oh my gosh, he only batted 215. Uh, how is that possible? He only had 102 hits. <laughs> he had 102 hits. And he stole, well, he 138, stole 138 bases. bases. 86 See, walks. That's okay. every you know. Every time you get on, you can steal three bases, though. So, wonder how many times times he stole second and third, or if he stole first and then second. And then oh third. yeah, he could have stole first too. That's true. Yeah, I mean he um, <laughs> right. Wow. wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. All right, I think that's. I think we've proven your knowledge pretty well there. You're a pretty smart guy. So let's let's push on to the Joe West Award for Best Worst Umpire of the Week. Who do we got this week, Andrew? Yeah, so for the Joe West Award, I I was debating whether we should even keep doing this. Like, it's just, you know, I'm reading out a bunch of numbers. There's really no way to say, like, what's so good, what's so bad. But then the baseball gods sent me a message and gifted us with the worst umpiring performance, easily the worst of the year, and one of the worst in a very long time. I'm going to send right now the chart, and then I have a quick video that you guys can watch too of this game. It was horrible. So the umpire was Brian Onora. He had 87% accuracy, 93% consistency, but he got 23 wrong calls. And he also had nine of the 10 worst calls this year in this one game. I just posted, it's a Twitter link. It has a video of all the worst calls. And there, there's some doozies in there. 
All right, we'll take a quick pause and I'm going to take a look at these. Wow. This guy wants to go home so bad. Wow, the last pitch of the game. Oh. So it starts in the second. He was terrible all game. <laughs> the video no, the video starts in the second. He goes to the first inning, eighth inning. So he makes terrible calls all game. Fifth inning. They're all six, seven, eight inches off the plate. How long has that guy been an ump, I wonder? Because that, that's the kind of thing to get you not invited back. And he's so quick with him, too. He's not taking a second to think about it. He's just like, strike. Yeah. Strike. Well, so, you know, actually... Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I was to your question. It says he joined Major League staff in 2000. So mm. at least mm. 21 years. But it says his debut was 92. So he's, he's been doing it for a while. I, I mean, this goes back to a thought I've had, and it was actually on my list of things to... Um, discussed at some point, but this this points to what this year it looks to me like all umpires have expanded their strike zones in all honesty. I'm seeing lots of balls just off the plate, not as bad as what we see here in this video from Onora, but I just it just feels like a lot of borderline calls are going against the batter this year and this could go hand in hand with Alonzo's theory about um, the ball being deadened as a lot of big-time hitters are coming onto their free agent years. Um, I, again, I don't, I don't want to do conspiracy theory, but I think the umpires looks like they have expanded their strike zone from what I saw the last couple of years. But anyway, that's just what it looks like to me. I could be wrong. But this Onora, that, that'll get you fired, man. It should get you fired anyway. Seven of these calls were against the Reds, two against the Brewers. So it was pretty lopsided even, too, mm. in the way he was making these bad calls. So, yeah, that's pretty terrible. I think he's definitely deserves um, deserves his award. Congratulations. Indeed. Our... Joe West's winner of the week. Let's move on to a brighter note. Let's get to the point where, you know, all the umps all the umps have been waiting for for this award tonight. Let's get to the Bill Clem Award. Bill Clem Award's a pretty good one. Vic Carapaza, he had ninety seven point nine percent accuracy, ninety eight point five percent consistency, four wrong calls. So compare that to Onora's twenty three. Pretty good. You know, one bad call, a few, well, a little bit worse than borderline, but not too bad. But not too bad. But when you're comparing it to that last one, it it's the greatest game ever. That's a beauty. Congratulations, Mr. Vic Carapaza. You're good at your job, man. You should keep it for yeah. for a while. Good job. Maybe you get a raise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're. Applebee's gift card will be in the mail shortly. Yep. All right, let's get to this week's role player draft. Hopefully I won this week. I have no clue. This is the first week where I haven't looked at it. I don't know. I wanted to surprise myself coming in. See how I did. No, you didn't win. Shut up. All right. Andrew, 
home run hitter. What'd your boy Shohei have this week? Shohei this week hit two home runs. Okay, all right. Good week for him. Jack, do you know what your boy did? Who do you have? I don't know any of my boys did. Okay, that's that's good. I got him. Fernando Tatis Jr. hit one. Hmm. Is this up, is this updated? Do I have this updated? Probably not. I have did, all the stats. If did you Vladdy want me hit two? Down. No, he hit zero. Oh, great. Okay, so you said Shohei hit two. Yep, Fernando hit one. Fernando hit one, and, and my Vladdy guy hit zero. zero. Okay. I'm not doing shots this week um, because last week I woke up with a terrible hangover and went to class. So we're going to go to base stealers. Ronald Acuna, how'd he do? Pre-torn ACL, Ronald Acuna stole one base. Hey, there you go. At least he got you something before he before he ended his career. All right, Whitfield, or Merrifield. Whit Merrifield, how'd he do? One as well. One as well. Trey Turner? A big Fuck. one. Oh, yes. Way to tie it up, baby. All right, so everybody's happy with that. No. Here we go into the second... And into the uh, serial walker category. How many walks did Max Muncy have? Max Monkey have this week? Monkey, the bust of the week with zero walks. I don't even know like, how that's possible. That's disgraceful. Six last uh-huh. week. All right, Mookie, how did he do? Four. Uh, I'm assuming that won it the way you said it. How many did Yandy Diaz have? Two. Oh, Yandy. Who do uh, I have? You have Joe. You have Mookie Betts. You won. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, so it's 1-1, Andrew and Jack. Again, I'm left out of the horse race. All right. But I'm winning an overall total number. Oh, my gosh. Javi Baez. (laughs) (laughs) Javi Baez, how did he do in strikeouts this week? Again, don't know how it's possible. He only struck out three times. Come on, Javi. All right, Joey, how did he do? One. He was prepping for the home run derby. All he was hitting was homers. And Randy? Four. Yes! Yes, Randy ties it up for me. Let's go, Randy. I knew I knew either Randy or Yandy would win win it for me this week. All Randy right. who? Randy Arozarena. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Double yeah, raise. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Strikeout pitcher Carlos Rodon, the new pickup. How'd he do? Uh, he didn't pitch. He pulled a Bieber, uh, so he got zero. All right. Zach Wheeler. How'd what? he do? All he had to do was pitch one. My boys. Six strikeouts. Yeah, and, yeah. And Degrom had zero. Yeah, on a technicality, Degrom got zero. So you, you got to predict that, though, boys. You can't. You got to. You got to read the. You got to read the injuries. And, no, I mean, I'm. I'm just picking him up for future. For yeah. Future oh yeah. We'll games. see. We'll see I mean, how that goes. He's just a great player, and you're gonna. Yeah, regret. yeah. I want. That's re- all that matters. You're gonna regret having Zach Wheeler later down the road. All right, Donnie Next. Walker, who. Who um, walked the most this week out of the pitchers? Nick Pavetta, how'd he do? I don't even want to read these next two categories. Nick Pavetta, two. Two. John Gant? Three. Ah, Three. And Zach Davies? Two. Yeah. Another victory. (laughs) All right. Let's move on Uh, to the anti Boys, you got to know how to read the numbers. Come on. Brad Keller, how did he do with the earned runs allowed? (sighs) Perhaps the saddest category of all. Brad Keller, one earned run, turned into an ace. Oh, wow. Nick Fulty, how do you, or Mike Fulty, how do you do? Oh, my Three. boy. 
Yeah. Three and Dylan Bundy. Did not pitch. That's <laughs> <laughs> a wipeout. All right, so we've got Jack winning one, two, three, four categories this week. Me and Andrew winning one. Oh, what a frustrating week. Jack, you're the two-time winner of the role-player draft. Congratulations. Yeah. Two and a Congratulations. half, really. Yes, no. week. There are only four ga- four days. That's true. It wasn't a good. It wasn't a real week. So and you, you got to read the ro- look. You got to check out the rotations. You got to look at injured list. You got to. Is that what you on. did? Is that what you did when you've never drafted a new player since the start of this thing? <laughs> <laughs> get get real. Get you real. Gotta know, you got to know what you're doing. You got to get real. Is what you got. Uh, what's next? <laughs> I want to roll here. Man, if I if any of the luck inside your genes is passed on to me it'd be really nice if it started working overtime for me yeah, here that, that would be nice that would be nice all right let's move on music of the week last category did you guys listen to mf doom's album i did mad villainy no i did not i knew you wouldn't i knew <laughs> you wouldn't oh, i wanted to but i looked him up and i couldn't find him it's on. Oh my gosh! It's yeah, on Spotify. No. You don't have Spotify, do you? Anyway, you guys go ahead talk. All right, Andrew, what did you think? So I Favorite songs anything. Luckily, I listened to it twice because on my first run through of it, I wasn't really a fan. Like nothing really stuck out to me. It kind of felt like I don't know. I, I think I need a hook or a chorus or something or else songs just don't really stand out to me. And it kind of just, it's like someone's just rapping at you for an hour. Like same reason I don't really listen to like Eminem and people like that. Like they're so, they're almost too good at rapping to where they, every song is just start to end. They're rapping the entire time. And I just kind of get lost in it, but I gave it a second listen through today and I definitely liked it a lot more. Uh, My three songs that stuck out to me, uh, America's Most Blunted, I really liked. I thought that song was hilarious. It's a good one. Um, and then Raid and Rainbows were my other two favorites. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, I did. I did end up liking it. All right. I, I've I like the theme of the album. The album's oh, yeah. theme is basically just like a old school cartoon villain. And they have a lot of samples of of just like a guy, like a narrator talking through a TV show about villains, and it's all cut with with uh, different instrumentals and stuff. It's it's really interesting. But you're right; it is a lot of just like just rapping. In it's basically he wrote poems and bars, and he just reads them out, and they're just a lot. It's a lot to take in very quickly and you don't get really a lot of time to process like the cleverness of a lot of it. So you it does need a second listen. My favorite songs are all caps. All caps is my favorite song on this album. I like Accordion, I like Figaro, and I like I also like America's Most Blunted because it is a hilarious song. Um and I gave this album for enjoyment levels, because it's again not—it's how I enjoy the albums. It's not my favorite album. 
I don't listen to it on the daily. I'm giving it a 7.5, just under moving pictures. But I, I very much do like this album. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with pretty much all those points too. I'm going to give it a 6.5. Okay, okay. Jack, it's your turn to pick this week. Um, what? The album that we listen to to talk about next time. Oh, oh shit. It can be something that you've never heard. It can be something that changed the way that you listen to okay, music. Okay, I'll, I'll give you. I'm going to give you guys what it was truly a groundbreaking record because of so many bands since this record came out in 1979 that go back to this band as as just. Starting a whole new anyway, the name of the record is The Specials. Mm-hmm. And it's their debut album, The Specials. It's a five-star okay. album on allmusic.com, and it was extremely, extremely influential. It's it's British ska, which was a <laughs> which was a marriage of Jamaican ska and British punk, post-punk mm-hmm. um sounds become this this new English ska style which has been copied and recopied. I mean, you know, you got Sublime, No Doubt, um, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. There's a tons of bands of the 90s that did this thing. But it all, to me, that album... Now, there were a few other bands doing British Scott at the time, the Selector, English Beat, and Madness. Mm-hmm. But the Specials debut album, the Specials, which was produced by Elvis Costello, I might add, Huh. Um, really was the seminal, the, the ground zero of this whole ska revival. And um, I think this is an album worth listening to, worth knowing about, because even today there are still bands that are playing a style called Rocksteady, which is a ska derivative, um, that are still out there playing and touring like the Agrilites, like the... Um, um, oh, who's the other band? That, oh, the Slackers. This stuff is still going on, and all these bands will tell you the Specials debut album is what started all this. That still goes on today. So that is my album to recommend to you boys this week. The Specials. The Specials. All right. Very good. Excited to listen to it. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. I I've always wanted to listen to ska, and I never have. So I'm I'm gonna be diving into this one. Yeah, like I said, this will be ground zero for an explosion that still goes on today. Um, in in this in this style. Have I heard any of these songs? Because I actually I've heard most of your music. Not probably. Ah, so they're yeah. they're not on any happy hours they're not some of your favorite no. songs but they are influential to some of your favorite songs there's my favorite songs but there's music that i thought that when my children were younger wouldn't really like it very much so they didn't get to hear it very much oh, does, it, does it have curse words is that why no well no there's Maybe a song on, there's a song on it called little bitch that is correct <laughs> can't believe that didn't make it into my five-year-old ears yeah, I can't believe it. But anyway, but yeah, that that that's a record that everyone should know about. Don't have to All like right. it, but you should know about it. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for ex- right. the exposure. And thanks yeah. for joining us for episode four of Lugie. Hope you all enjoyed. Join us next Thursday for episode five.